Welcome to The Queerness, an LGBTQ podcast produced by San Francisco Pride from our studios overlooking the most beautiful city in the galaxy, where it's 75 and fogless and the sun was up before six and won't set until after eight, but it's even more beautiful because we got 71% of everyone over 12 fully vaccinated and things are reopening. I'm your host, Peter Astrid Kane, SF Pride's communications person, and I use they, them pronouns. In this special bonus Pride Month episode, it's my enormous pleasure to be speaking with the co-executive directors of the African-American Art and Culture Complex, Melanie Green and Melora Green, queer Black women who happen to be superstars of Defiant Black Joy and who also happen to be twins. That's what they're typically known as anyway, although Mayor London Breed tends to call them her girls. Born and raised in Memphis, Melora and Melanie moved to San Francisco in 2000 to study filmmaking at the Academy of Art University. Since then, they've built a considerable artistic legacy, producing more than 80 exhibitions and 100 public events with their brand of collaboration, creativity, culture, and community. They have curated galleries, including the explosive exhibition, The Black Woman is God, at both the AAACC and SOMART's Cultural Center, Don't Shoot, an opus of the opulence of blackness at MOAD, the Afro-Solo Black Matters Visual Arts Exhibition at the San Francisco Public Library. Better yet, they were named SF Pride 2021 Community Grand Marshals in the public poll choice for individual, which was obviously jointly awarded. I wanna add that they've shown up to nearly every Pride Month event that I've been at, from the borderline subarctic illuminate the pink triangle ceremony on Twin Peaks on June 1st, to Pride Movie Night at Oracle Park this past weekend, to Terminal 2 at SFO yesterday, not only to see Alaska Airlines' new rainbow-painted plane, but also to participate in a bit of voguing at gate D8, courtesy of Sir Jacques. Melanie, Melora, welcome to The Queerness. What's going on? Yes, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. And I mean, everything you said just put the biggest smile on my face. And I was (laughs) thinking about being at the terminal, and I was like, wow, I really did. You really did. Tried to vote. I'm very certain now that I don't know how to do it. (laughs) Awesome. First of all, congratulations on being community grand marshals. I know this is a weird year, but how did that feel? Honestly, um, and this is Melanie, uh, the the nomination was one just um, almost like a burst of a refreshing space because we were very surprised. And then it gave us a moment to really kind of sink into what we've done, our partnerships. And then we, we felt that we really owed it to the moment to really activate our community to vote for us to really participate. So it was a refreshing moment to just really shake things off and look at the love and the beauty of what we've done over the years with so many wonderful people. Yeah, I add to that too. This is Melora. The gratitude that I can share, even through all the ways that I've been honest about what changes we can make, Um, And some of the conversations that are still wildly being stepped over, I have to share gratitude for even being nominated because if it weren't for the opportunity to reflect on what we've done, regardless of what's ahead, it really gave us a moment to pause. And, you know, we, I questioned, you know, whoa, have we done enough? And then I just thought about, oh, you know, we, we, we have done a lot. I'm not saying we've done enough, but we've done a lot. And when I think about 
all the faces that come to mind for the things we done and shared together through the years, I feel super proud and connected to San Francisco and the Bay Area. Being not only nominated, but voted public choice, it just it just lifts the spirits, even though it's tough right now in so many mm-hmm. different arenas. Life is happening at the speed of light with you know, everything from generational um, needs and where we stand in the gap at, you know, the ripe age of 43 is right in the middle of two different generational needs. And then also wanting to be committed to self-care for our team and for the community that we've been arm in arm with during the pandemic, even when some people had the luxury of stopping. Uh, we haven't stopped yet. It just was a beautiful pause to say, wow, you know, we've done, we've done a lot together mm-hmm. in this town with a lot of amazing people. So thank you to all who voted for us. Thank you yes. um, to the board and, and anyone on the committee for even throwing our names in the hat. And I want to also just amplify those um, who were nominated and those who have done the work to even be seen as such. So we just have a lot of people with boots on the ground um, who've been doing this work. And so it just feels like a blessing to be named with, with everybody. That's beautiful. And you know, you have done enough. You have done the work. I know imposter syndrome is very real, but you, you, you have earned this. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And let's jump into the most important thing, which is Juneteenth at the ACC, which I believe is a four-day event this year led off by a street fair on Friday the 18th. Tell us, what, what do you have in store? Why should people go? One of the things that, and this is Melanie, I'll say Juneteenth this year is a combination um, of several different communities expressing, and I'll say communities in, in terms of neighborhoods, expressing the recognition, honoring, and really making sure that with the moment in time we have, um, on the heels of this pandemic that we get out and, and acknowledge this celebration, um, especially for Black folks. And given all that we've gone through with the social uprising, we do want to celebrate where we are and acknowledge our past. Um, so people should come out because there will be food, music, rides, um, rides games, special guests. Um, job fair. Yeah, a lot of resources that people can actually utilize right now. Um, there will be just some great bands, some great acts, a lot of things that people can expect um, that they've experienced over the years with Juneteenth. So definitely come to the Fillmore. There will be activities on Fillmore Street between Eddie and Golden Gate and then all the way at the African American Art and Culture Complex on uh, Fulton between Webster and um, Buchanan. And um, I think it's Laguna, Laguna. Mm -hmm. And so um, just come out. We wanna see people um, really sharing in this celebration with us. And um, again, it's just really an opportunity to acknowledge the moment that we're in. And I wanna add to that too, just for a point of clarity, you know, you mentioned that it's at the African-American Art and Culture Complex, but I want to just lift up the legacy of the Juneteenth Festival and just amplify the Juneteenth, the San Francisco Juneteenth Festival Committee 
which is actually responsible for doing this work. And it's the 71st year this year. And so for those who have been, again, boots on the ground to ensure that this happens every year, no matter what catastrophe, no matter what happens. And, you know, I have to say the name of Rachel Townsend, mm-hmm. who was the uh, past leadership before Tamika Shinye, now who's the director, who transitioned to Ancestor three years ago. And so we are still amplifying um, her legacy. And um, so it will be on Fillmore Street. Um, it will be at the African-American Art and Culture Complex. It will be um, at the Ferry Building. Mm-hmm. It will also be sure. in the Bayview Hunters Point. And I believe I may be leaving one place off, but come to experience the love and light of local talent. Find a safe, soft space to sit, to just put your feet up. Um, ACC is hosting a pamper area where we know that we all need touch. We all need a, a bit of reprieve. And so we have some massage therapists that will be providing free massage. Um, we are finalizing a few more details that we would like to offer um, for those of us who maybe not have been able to get your nails done and some other things. So stay tuned for that. You know, we just want to love on our community this year. And we want to say thank you to everyone who has been instrumental in lifting up positively um, the San Francisco Juneteenth Festival. And we look forward to seeing you all Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, let me say. Wonderful. Yeah. You share the same title, co-executive director, but can you give us a little insight on the division of labor between you? How do you share your responsibilities? Yeah, um, this is Melanie. Um, right now, I would say the the biggest defining line is that um, Melora does a lot of the work that people experience, the front-facing work, the programs, the art. Um, the exhibitions. And a large part of what I do is the fiscal responsibilities, the operations, compliance. Um, So, and even that has creativity to it as well. So I think that's probably the easiest way to see our work in this role. I've seen at least two or three iterations of the Black Women as God at SOMARTS. Like the defiant joy in your curatorial vision is really electrifying. I will never forget 2017's. There's a work called Sybil Number no. 3, which shows a Black woman in the style of an Orthodox icon with a rainbow mosaic behind her, a sacred heart, an American flag mask or bandana, something that feels especially resonant in the age of COVID, but her eyes might be the most piercing thing I've ever seen. Is it fair to say that the Black woman as God has been especially important in your career development? I would say so. And I want to just uh, take a step back and really lay the foundation of the Black Woman is God. It started at the African-American Art and Culture Complex when I was there as the gallery director. And I wanted to give Karen Sinefru a solo show. It took a minute for her to decide what she wanted to do. And then it turned into a commitment for women to come together. And so the Black Woman is God is her vision. It is her commitment to bringing Black women together to honor 
our divinity, to honor our bodies, to honor our stories, and all of the diverse ways that we that we share and can create. So I just wanted to make sure I, I share that because I co-curate the the exhibition, but I want to make sure I ground us in where it started. But yeah, I would say so. And um, I always tell Karen that this really has been a dream come true because it has given me a space and opportunity to work with my sister as creatives. So coming in and curating and, and speaking, oh, and I want to also make sure I amplify um, Matt McKinley, who has always been there to really lead the design once the work lands. I want to make sure I shout him out. Being able to carve out time to be tactile and less administrative and to touch paint and to create installations and envision and invite other twins to the conversation. I mean, it has given us the space to think beyond the logistics and more into the creation of it. So I would say it has given Melanie and me an opportunity to show people what we can do. It really has what our appetite to create more, to be honest. Beautiful. There's an exhibition in the city right now. I know I know we've really only been fully open for one day, but I'm wondering if you've been to the Legion of Honor to see the Wangechi Mutu show, I Am Speaking, Can You Hear Me? Oh, oh goodness. We've seen it be, and this is Melanie, we've seen the exhibition um, through the gracious share of some of our loved ones, and our intention is to see it several times before it leaves. But if I can say the work is breathtaking, mm-hmm. it propels you to the future. Mm-hmm. And it also makes you feel like it's something you can recall. Well, it's primal, right? Yeah. I am not necessarily familiar with specific myths that she may be referencing, but the sheer force of these sculptures is unmistakable. Yeah, majestic, yeah. you know, very majestic. This is Malore. To me, it's cinematic. I mean, you see one piece and in your imagination, you create your own world. You can hear their voices. I mean, maybe I'm the only one that has this experience, but I think of them post seeing the picture and I've only seen a picture what about a month ago and I still think about Mm. them um but yeah it's actually funny you say that because we were scheduled we were thinking we were going to go a couple weeks ago but we weren't able to make it but it is definitely on our list yeah yeah I saw it twice it it's just magnificent you have been instrumental in organizing various street paintings around the city big bold things with messages like Black Lives Matter or the future is black that people tend to see in drone shots at key locations. Is it getting easier to execute these projects? It's never easy. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'll say community makes it easy because we're always, this is Melora, we're always a yes to change and we, and it's simple to us, you know, for creatives it's easy We get real creative about solving problems, but I feel like other industries put the hurdles there to make more money or to stretch it out or to, in their way, balance the scales in their direction. It's really navigating either politics from people who refuse to get it or the problematic conversations that people want to have about why it's important to make a statement at all. 
or being attacked or being, and I mean physically. Um, really? Yeah. Physically attacked. <laughs> you kidding me? Yeah. And, I mean, this is Melanie. I mean, to speak on the art that that is around in terms of easy, like Melora pointed to the politics that's in play, pointing to just bureaucracy. But beyond that, it becomes the same sort of challenge that we face regardless of the social uprising. There's always a challenge with making space for others when property ownership, business ownership, a certain land mass um, has just completely changed in terms of who sees value where. It just changes the way you have to approach. So some of that is what makes it not easy when you have to try to negotiate within yourself how you're going to approach someone who does not generally show that they really have an interest in your community or your community participating unless you have a certain amount of capital. And so that as a community doesn't have a good feeling. And so I think the part that's easy for us, like Melora said, is is our relationships that go beyond the borders of the Fillmore neighborhood. Um, it goes beyond just the art community. So that makes it easy for us to have initial dialogues and understand what's necessary and in our experience understanding what to say because things can always be turned um, and then sometimes it undermines the work you're trying to do so easy kind of has a lot of layers but yeah I mean if I can say something is easy it's just our experience and our intuition following that earlier on than not is what makes things a lot easier I shouldn't even imply surprise that your work would inspire reactions like that, but it is upsetting to hear, and I am sorry that that happens. But the burst of activism and street actions that followed George Floyd's murder and largely coincided with Pride Month 2020 has abated considerably. Do you worry that the energy is dissipating and now that California is you know, fully reopened, it might vanish altogether? Of course, this is Melanie. Of course, like a lot of us have said, we are popular now or the focus is on us right now. And we do. There is that bit of concern. Even some of the more less genuine efforts, though they impact the community in financial ways or in resources, you just hope that it lasts long enough for us to be able to make real impacts because it can't be a one-off. So that's kind of the piece that's dodgy. Um, but I think us picking up the baton from what we're able to develop and create right now is the other part of our responsibility. Yeah, I just think that now, now is the time to have those tough conversations. The ones that you walk off and kind of bend your eyebrows and think, did he say that or did she say that or did whoever say that? Or, hmm, I feel like I said something that may be a little problematic. Let me check in. Mm -hmm. It's just really time for us to take the actions that we clap about, mm -hmm. you know, take the actions that we get teary eyed about. And then for those who don't believe in that, then they'll be the ones left out. But as long as we treat equity or equality or any other ease, <laughs> um, like a trend, 
then we'll be right back here and it'll be someone else and we already have that evidence because we're not the first one saying something. Alicia Garza's not the first one saying something. Ella Baker wasn't the first one that said something. I mean, we've been saying the same thing. And so it becomes this notion that this is how you want it. I think the thing that I would love to just amplify is a question. Is this how you want it? Because if it's not how you want it, what are we willing to do right now to push the boulder forward down the hill? It's scary, y'all, mm -hmm. because we've never seen this before, right? Go ahead and get scared, white people. People of color will have a little bit more. Yeah. I just want to see us take some real actions and steps beyond being mad. What are we willing to sit down and talk about? In the LGBT community, especially if we can isolate a few neighborhoods here that we can focus on to make a difference. There are ways that collectively we can stand for some things to change within our own demographic. And, and it shows that if we really want some things to move, we can make it move, right? Like we had to make sure people could get married. We had to make sure all these other things happen. But no one has to make sure black, brown, and otherwise are included in the fabric of the Castro. We're not having to make sure that the real story of how pride really kicked off on the backs of black and brown folks gets told, acknowledged, resurrected in a certain way. Like it should be in our language. When we think of pride and Castro, the first thought shouldn't be a couple of white guys. It should be a mixed view, you know, like, yeah. and that should be our requirement because culturally from this day forward, we are changing how we talk about the community as a whole. We are going to start acknowledging the whole story. We are going to, hmm, let's look at the Castro, the whole ass Castro. And there is not one damn place owned or set designated for black or brown people, period. Period. To dance, get a drink, nothing. And so just how do we in real life start really looking at what we enjoy and what we have the access to and make sure that that goes out. And I'll just say that I think it's really timely that Melora and I are grand marshals this year because that's really a part of our secret ingredient. Oh, we got some resources. Oh, we received this experience and that flowed through our body this way. Our community must feel this way. Other leaders must experience this type of equity. We must say what we're getting that others aren't. That's one of the bigger call outs for us is space making and space keeping. And if you can't focus on a physical space, if that's too much, then think about energetically who you are in the room. Are you safe for people? And that's a real question that we've got to start asking. You know, we can't make the whole world wrong and we got our own stuff going on in the queer community. That's beautiful. Thank you. Melanie, Molora, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. It's only June 16th, so I assume I'm going to run into you at least four or, four or, five, four or five more times this Pride Month. We better, mm -hmm. <laughs> we better see you. <laughs> I promise. Awesome. <laughs> Looking forward to it. And thank you for the space you are, Peter. I appreciate this conversation and, and um, 
just your energy. Yes, indeed. Likewise, and truly, this has been my pleasure, really. This has been The Queerness, a production of San Francisco Pride, conceived and co-produced by my hardworking colleagues, Chris, RJB, and Shannon. Our wonderful guests on this bonus Pride episode were Melanie Green and Melora Green, co-executive directors of the African-American Art and Culture Complex in the Western Edition and 2021 SF Pride Community Grand Marshals. Our theme music was composed by La Frida. We strongly encourage you to like and subscribe to us, which helps increase the queerness's visibility on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, because you know we're all about queer visibility around here. I'm your sickening host, Peter Astrid Kane, reminding you to be safe, but stay dangerous. Happy Pride.